Herschel, I can't remember mm. if we've talked about this, but are you a, a Stranger Things fan? I watch Stranger Things, but everybody asks me, do I watch it, though? Well, it's a very popular program, mm. and mm. a new season just came out. So. Mm. I did see that, too. They got them all over the chips. Oh. You know, the bag of chips no, and shit. No, I don't know what that is. Advertisement. Oh, you know yeah. yeah. I saw that. I was like, why is there a disgusting <laughs> monster on the chips? And then I looked closer and I said, oh, that's a Demogorgon. Yeah. Hey, that's a good-ass show. You think it's good enough for me to check it out? Mm. I absolutely believe it's good enough for you to check out. I got you. Did you see that they have a, a thing, Method Man got a, a The Wire podcast? Meth? Really? Yeah. What's I'm he, look like, into breaking that down all the yeah, episodes? maybe. I think people are supposed to be appearing on it, the podcast, awesome. too. Awesome. I mean, they all got a, hopefully they got a nice payday for We Own This City, oh, which yeah, ended yeah. not great. It didn't end great. I mean, it ended tr- true life, but I think they could have done. It's, it's good, though. I think they could have done more with the story. Mm-hmm. I got one more episode. Well, it's great. Yeah, and it's good. John Turturro. Great performance. Mm-hmm. It's good, bro. Everybody did great. Marlo did great. Marlo. <laughs> but I will. I want to. I want to. We see own this city yeah, we own on city. HBO. Watch it. Everybody, watch it. If you like The Wire, if you've been encouraged to watch The Wire based on this podcast, check out some more David Simon and watch We Own This City. We are the reason they're coming out with the podcast. That's bro. right. Meth, get us on there. Come on, oh, cheese. Yeah. Come on, cheese. Get us on there, boy. And we probably won't know shit compared to uh, <laughs> the motherfuckers that wrote it and mm-hmm. directed. Well, same shit. Man, I would love to. We I'm I'm probably going to rewatch The Wire again soon. I mean, it's going to happen. Always. At least a couple <laughs> yeah. times oh, a yeah, year. Bro. Like, yes. Boy, it's been about four months. I better start yeah. on episode yeah. one. I'm at one. I'm at one a year, though. One a year? That's yeah. good. That's good to keep it. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and look at it. And just look at it. You can just throw it on. Why'd you let Snot Boogie in the game? <laughs> this year's America, man. man you gotta play. Mm-hmm. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast. X, 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 X. Herschel. Yeah. This week, a whole lot of nothing happened, to be honest <laughs> with you. I didn't get much done. Mm-hmm. Just the episode, you know. Other mm-hmm. than that, uh, there was a new program up for the baseball game mm-hmm. on MLB 22. So I've been mm-hmm. grinding that again because got to get those card packs. Got to get that second inning reward program underway. Mm-hmm. I need all the rarest. And there cards. is no buying anything, right? You can. You absolutely no. But could. do you? Oh, me no. Yeah, because that's the real grind, man. Because otherwise, I wouldn't be able to level up. Power hitting, contact yeah. hitting, pitching, like mm-hmm. all of it. If you, let's say you was rich, are you going to buy or you still go grind? Because it seems like to me the grind of it is what's, that's what, what's fun. That's what justifies the purchase of the game, is mm-hmm. that I can get hundreds and hundreds of hours out of it. Well, <laughs> that's just vid games for you. Yeah. <laughs> let's get down to business. Ooh. We left off with Kenneth Bianchi moving up to Bellingham, Washington, because his longtime girlfriend and baby mama, Kelly Boyd, had decided to give him another chance. Mm. She thought the reason he was being so unattentive and mean was the state of California itself and his cousin, Angelo Buono, who had corrupted him. 
He'd also killed 10 women with his cousin here in L.A., mm. and the cops were starting to figure it all out. You better. When investigators looked into Bianchi's old address in L.A., they realized it was within spitting distance of two Hillside Strangler victims. Damn. While Detective Salerno of the L.A. Sheriff's Department was up in Washington, Detectives Grogan and Finnegan went to chat up Angelo Buono. Mm -hmm. Angelo was hideous, not only <laughs> physically, but emotionally and intellectually as well. Damn. He was a mouth-breathing cretin who was vulgar, selfish, ignorant, and sadistic. Mm. Somehow, he was a huge ladies' man who'd been married several times and had a shitload of kids, all of whom he'd abused physically, sexually, or both. That's fucked up. How does he keep getting these women, though? God, I'm telling I you. I mean, obviously he's getting them, but not keeping them. I think it's the old, you can't hit if you don't swing. Mm -hmm. I think this guy lived by that philosophy, but to the max, he would hit on mm -hmm. literally everything that, that walked by. You know what? That, yeah, you're right. And Eventually, that's going to pull in results. Oh yeah, it is. I would. I gotta. I gotta be cool about that. Yeah, that's true. The more times you go out there, you go get at least one or two of them. On you have to. It's just the law of averages. Yeah. Whew. Angelo Bono was born in Rochester, New York, on October fifth, mm -hmm. nineteen thirty-four. When Mister and Missus Bono got a very rare divorce for the time, he moved with his mom and sister across the country to the mm -hmm. south part of Glendale, California, in nineteen thirty-nine. Mm -hmm. Jenny, his mom, supported the three of them by working constantly at the shoe factory. Cobblers. Yeah, I think she was making Jordans. <laughs> Let me get a pair of them. 1939. <laughs> the baby Jordans. Let me get them Jordan negative Man. 20s. Man. Killing each other over there. <laughs> over this non-existent <laughs> shoe. Angelo was brought up Catholic and attended public school, but neither the priests nor the teachers could break through to him. He remained uneducated and ignorant for his whole life. <laughs> Buono had an intense sex drive and was a manipulative gaslighter. He would feign decency to a woman to get sex out of them. Deep down, though, he had a deep loathing for all women with the desire to injure and humiliate them. Mm. He openly called his mother a cunt and a whore to her face, but he remained emotionally very close to her until her death in 1978. As young as 14, associates of Buono's remember him bragging about raping and sodomizing young girls. Mm. So really, comes as no surprise that Angelo had been in trouble with the law early and often. It seems to me, if you don't like the chicks, why do you want to fuck them? Hatred, control, domination, mm. humiliation, hurt. You know, when you do have sex with them. He's probably doing some shit that they ain't used to. Oh, or yeah. some crazy sex. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's a like, whoa, whoa. No question. And they get really turned off. Now it becomes rape, I guess, at that point. Yeah. And if they're, you know, young girls. He's 14, so if he's saying they're young, that means they're much younger. What a perv. What a he was sent to the Paso Robles School for Boys after he was convicted of Grand Theft Auto. He said his hero and role model as a boy was notorious rapist Carol Chessman. Chessman was one of the pioneers of the fake police light on his car. He mm. would pull up on lovers parked in the Hollywood Hills with his cherries and berries on and force the snoggers to roll down their window. Yeah, yeah, that's a good bit. Showing his big 45, he would take the girl back to his car, drive her to an even more secluded spot, and make her perform oral. Angelo knocked up a girl from his high school in 1955 and married her right on the spot. 
Mm-hmm. He left her about a week later. The young woman named Geraldine Vino gave birth to their son, Michael Lee Buono, in 1956. As to be expected from this charmer, Angelo didn't offer up a red cent for child support, wouldn't allow Michael <laughs> to call him daddy. No child support, no daddy, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. All right. Near the end of 1956, Angelo popped out another kid named Angelo Anthony Buono III. In 1957, he married Angelo III's mother, mm-hmm. Mary Castillo, and the couple became a baby factory, shitting out Peter <laughs> Buono in 57, Danny in 58, Louis in 60, and Grace in 62. In 1964, Mary filed for divorce because of his violent and perverse sexual needs and because she no longer wished to be called a cunt by her life partner in front of their kids. (laughs) Mary would recount a night where Angelo tied her up, spread eagle, and raped her so violently she thought he was going to kill her. Mary's pain is what gave Angelo pleasure, and when she was too exhausted to respond to his pile driver poundings, pinches, and slaps, he would call her a dead piece of ass. That's fucked up. Mary also didn't share her husband's enthusiasm for anal sex, but Mary wasn't able to tell Angelo no. Although he was a teetotaler, he beat and kicked his wife when she failed to please him as if he were a chronic alcoholic. He didn't care whether his kids saw this or not. In fact, it seemed as if he wanted them to see. That's fucked up too because you don't want to perform any sexual act you want to hurt. So if you don't get off, that's because of you. That is definitely on you. But that's not how these sickos see it. Mm-hmm. They course. see it as the broken woman's yeah. fault. Even yeah. though it's their dick that's broken. Angelo was once again able to avoid child support completely. And Mary was forced into social programs to feed his children. Mm-hmm. Out of options, Mary tried to go make up with her ex just to have a more stable life for the kids, but Angelo tied her to a wall and shoved a gun in her stomach, threatening to pull the trigger. This would be the last time Mary ever tried to reconcile with Angelo. Hell yeah, fuck that dude. <laughs> you, you're getting too violent, man. Way too violent. That's that's a bridge too far. Mm-hmm. But at this point, he's not killing nobody, right? Well, yeah. Well, that's actually... We don't really talk about it, but he is suspected in a uh, few other murders oh, yeah, around okay. this time, but there's no concrete proof since it's the 60s. Right, right. Okay. Uh, I get what you're saying. In 1965, Angelo got a place with 25-year-old single mom of two, Nanette Campina. Together, the two would have Tony in 1967 and Sam in 1969. Nanette was treated just as bad, if not worse than Mary, but she stayed with him as he'd made it clear he'd kill her if she tried to leave. Yep, so she stayed. Six years later, in 1971, Nanette no longer cared if she lived or died. She was failing to protect her 14-year-old daughter from Angelo, who was bragging to his friends that the girl needed breaking in. Nanette risked everything, grabbed her kids, and left the state for good. Yeah, that's a good thing. Thank you, Nanette. Mm Mm-hmm. And it took breaking him in. What a sicko, bro. Yep. It also said he bragged that he passed her around to his friends and let his other sons try her out too, but there's no proof of that. No, oh, so he was just talking shit, maybe? That's probably bragging. To make it like, oh, everybody else doing it. Look how cool I am. I'm just passing around this girl. Mm-hmm. And who was he bragging to? Just the uh, police? His buddies. No, his pals. Man, I wouldn't have been pals with that dude. Associates. No, I know. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> yeah. Less than a year later, in 1972, Angelo married Debbie Taylor on a whim, mm -hmm. but they never actually moved in together mm. and never got around to actually filing for a divorce. They just, he's like, fucking, I'm out. Yeah, I said, don't need this. By 1975, Angelo was on his way to becoming a car upholsterer of great repute. He bought himself a spot at 703 East Colorado Street as a combination home slash business. Okay. Like I alluded to earlier, young women seemed more often than not attracted to Angelo, and I can't explain why. He was incredibly unpleasant to look at. Yeah. Almost like he was put together wrong on purpose, but he was a teen girl magnet nonetheless. That's crazy, bro. The teen girls were usually naive about sex, so he had no problem convincing that his fucked up sexual demands were just normal parts of healthy sex. Mm, it's not nothing wrong with me. It's something wrong with you. Yeah. No, this is how sex is supposed to go, sweetie. Mm-hmm. You fucked him up. In late 1975, when his little cousin Kenny got out there, Angelo had jet black hair that looked like he dipped it in a paint bucket, gaudy gold chains, turquoise rings, silk red underwear, and an unlimited supply of underage girls. Angelo trained his easygoing cousin right up, including showing Kenny how to get a prostitute for free by flashing a badge in her face after having sex with her. One of Angelo's favorite phrases was, "You can. How do you talk like a New Yorker? I don't know, I ain't worked on it in a while. You could never let a cunt get the upper hand. Keep them in their place. Mm. When Kenny was super hard up for cash, Angelo had the brilliant idea of becoming pimps. The pair would use Kenny's charm to lure the girls in, and Angelo's connections would be their initial customer base. Two teen runaways named Becky Spears and Sabra Hanan were the first to be corrupted. Once enslaved, the girls were forced to sell their bodies or be subject to severe physical punishment. Damn. Finally, Becky was able to meet lawyer David Wood, who was appalled by her story and arranged for her to escape from the city. Mm -hmm. When Angelo's thick, greasy skull finally grasped what had happened, he stopped by the lawyer's office to threaten him. <laughs> In return, Wood had one of his gigantic clients pay Angelo a visit at home to gently persuade him not to threaten Wood again. Mm. Wouldn't you know it? If it's not an underage girl confronting Angelo, he clams right the oh, fuck yeah, up bro. and stops threatening I'm people. surprised he even came to do it at all. Went to the lawyer's office? Yeah, like, do you think that he's one of those teen girls, what, have old girls that don't know what? Like, 15, I'm, I, dude, I'm grown, bro. Yeah. And not only that, I'm so much smarter than you. Yeah. And I got a pistol. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude. What? And all of my clients are... Oh, yeah, yeah, they're criminals. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I'm done. What are you thinking? He's dumb. That's foolish. Full of renewed hope, Sabra soon ran away from Angelo and Kenny. With their sex slave income gone, Kenny missed payments on his two-tone Cadillac, which, if you remember from part one, was already mm -hmm. trying to stay one step ahead of the repo man. Mm -hmm. Well, he missed one too many payments, and they finally got a hold of it. Man. The cousins needed more prostitutes. Impersonating cops, they tried to abduct a girl until they found out she was Peter Laurie's daughter named Catherine Laurie. Mm. Do you know who Peter Laurie is? Mm -mm. Hollywood, absolute Hollywood legend. He is what the voice of Ren from Ren and Stimpy is based off of. Mm. He would usually play like a... <laughs> like a creepy, <laughs> a creepy guy. 
So that was him. That's the voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, not the voice, but the... The inspiration. Yeah. No, of course, none of his movies are popping into my head right now, but very famous, very iconic. And they tried to fucking abduct and turn out that guy's daughter. Eventually, and unfortunately, they did find a girl and set her up in Sabra's old room. They also purchased a trick list from a prostitute named Debbie Noble with names and numbers of men who frequented prostitutes. Debbie Noble and her friend Yolanda Washington delivered the list to Angelo in October of 77. Yolanda made the terrible mistake of telling Buono the specific strip she usually worked on Sunset Boulevard. When Angelo and Kenny discovered the trick list was filled with fake names and phone numbers, they decided to take it out on Yolanda since they didn't know where Deborah worked. Yeah. Yolanda Washington was their first kill. That was the black prostitute. That's right. Yeah. Let's go back up to Bellingham, Washington, with Kenny sitting in the Whatcom County Jail. With all this time on his hands, Bianchi had all the motivation in the world to cast aside his characteristic laziness and use his creative writing skills to try and get himself out of this bind. Mm. Already known as a compulsive liar by his adoptive mother since he was five and a half, Kenny was able to convince his court-appointed lawyer he was suffering from amnesia and (laughs) depression. Okay. The lawyer was so legitimately concerned his client would kill himself he smuggled in a psychologist social worker disguised as a paralegal on a visit. Hmm. The social worker couldn't begin to fathom how this mild-mannered little guy could have strangled women unless maybe he were suffering from multiple personality disorder. Mm-mm. Kenny, who was pretending not to pay attention to the psychologist and lawyer, got the message loud and clear and set about crafting himself a new scam. <laughs> This motherfucker would do anything to get up out that bitch. Oh, I guess anybody yes. would, I guess. Dude, and Kenny, he goes so much further to try and get out. It's really... This dude... He's trying to squiggle and squirm his way all the way out. But the, but the, you said the the woman, psychologist, right? That paralegal... Yeah, it was the, a guy. Disguised as a paralegal. It was a guy. Oh, the guy disguised as a paralegal. Was a psychologist yeah. slash yeah. social worker. He was like, how can this mild-mannered guy mm-hmm. strangle... This nice mm. mustached Kenny, he's so nice. There's no way he could have done that. Unless he had multiple personality disorder. Was he just trying to get this dude off? Huh? I don't think so. He really think he thought that what he thought that what it was? <laughs> okay all right okay during this whole process kenny got incredibly lucky the movie sybil had just come out on tv and it was a story about multiple personalities Mm -hmm. he watched it the night before he was to be interviewed by dr john watkins an expert on multiple personalities and amnesia the police knew this interview was step one in the defense building an insanity defense, mm-hmm. so Detectives Finnegan and Salerno caught a plane up to Washington to witness this farce. Kenny was well prepared for his performance. Dr. Watkins believed he had brought Bianchi to a hypnotized state. This brought out Kenny's evil alter ego, mm. Stephen Walker. <laughs> Walker was the one who killed those women down in L.A. with Kenny's cousin Angelo. Steve also forced Kenny to strangle two women right here in Bellingham. (laughs) Despite all Kenny's preparations, he fucked up a number of times while pretending to be Steve. He referred to Steve as he when it should have been I. Yeah, dumbass. (laughs) He is a dumb fuck. Dude, first of all, the plan is dumb anyway. Oh, right off the bat. (laughs) You're basing this off a movie. 
But the police is like, all right, if you want to play this game, we could do it. Whatever. Yeah. He just slipped up. Yeah. I was, uh, I mean, he, he was, uh, <laughs> he, he. <laughs> the shark detective Salerno picked up on this while the expert, Dr. Watkins, seemed to miss it. Salerno was quite disheartened that Watkins fell for Kenny's act and called Grogan to let him know what was happening. Mm. After calming down for a bit, Detective Salerno realized that while, yes, it was distressing that Kenny's ploy seemed to be working for the moment, but this insanity defense had the advantage of heavily implicating Angelo. It would be much harder for him to squirm out of this. These Even, psychologists really thought they could change the world back they then. They did. Oh my god, yeah. Especially, they are looking for only what they want to see. Especially yeah. when they're looking at Kenny. Uh-huh. They're only looking at what they want to see. Dude, This is like confirmation bias the the musical except there's no yeah. music <laughs> it, it definitely does seem like some bullshit because you're supposed to be able to put real life into your psychologist too like yeah you're supposed to go hand in hand yes you should have some perspective yeah exactly like you know shit not adding up too mm-hmm. but at the same time they're like oh my god i'm gonna be fucking famous i'm gonna change the world once yeah. i get inside the head of kenneth bianchi but he playing you like a fiddle and then they went to a trance and shit. I am him. Stephen Walker. Into <laughs> <laughs> a quick trance real quick. He killed all... I mean, I killed all... <laughs> <laughs> that dude's crazy, man. He need to be locked up. Detective Salerno presented a photo lineup to Marcus Camden, who, if you remember from part one, was a former bounty hunter now homeless on the streets of Hollywood Boulevard. Mm. He'd helped Salerno discover the name Judy Miller back when she was still just a Jane Doe. Mm. Marcus had seen Judy get into the two-tone caddy. He picked out Angelo's photo post-haste, but didn't recognize Ken. Angelo's a lot easier to pick out because he's, he's, he's an ugly man. Yeah, you can just pick out ugly. Yes, sir. Like, Especially when they have a banana stuck to the front of it their was, face. It was him. God a nose. damn. Unfortunately for the case, the country, and all of society, Marcus Camden had recently checked himself into a mental hospital for depression, mm. something a defense lawyer could easily use to discredit Marcus' testimony. Mm-hmm. Okay. Meanwhile, Grogan was showing a photo lineup to Beulah Stouffer, the woman who'd seen Lauren Wagner's abduction. Yeah, with the big-ass dog, right? Big dog, big yeah. glasses. She was hiding in the bushes, uh, but lied and said she was through her front window. Don't know why, but luckily that won't need to come up. Her testimony mm-hmm. will stand as is. Mm-hmm. She picked both of them out of the photo lineup. Not just Angelo. She picked Kenny, too. Yeah, which is crazy. Why would you even lie? Good for her. I mean, because you got to think about it. it was nighttime, correct? Yeah. And you seen through your window all the way over in and picked up these two you gotta imagine the glare from the window yeah every you ain't gonna be able to see those guys like or that. hear the girl when she says you're not gonna get away with this you won't be able to hear her say that either she must have been close as fuck in the bushes they think she's like they ain't trying to abduct me Mm-mm. i'm gonna kill you when that loud ass motherfucking barking dog <laughs> matter of fact she should it sounded like she was hating to be honest with you Oh, like, yeah. she wanted the girl to be abducted. Weirdly, yeah. Or maybe she didn't want him to know she was in the bushes because she didn't want him to think she was a coward for not trying to stop him. But really, you're an old lady with asthma that can't even see. Mm-hmm. You're n- nobody's expecting you to be a hero. 
Even if you say in the back, like, what? Like, what? What was that? Dude? You get the fuck up. I got to do something. You got to do something. Like, what was that noise? What about get up out of there? What I, was that noise? Yeah, like Metal Gear Solid and shit. Yeah. <laughs> but no, nah, but for real, you do something. Maybe that'll, like, no, oh, man, fuck this chick. We out. We'll yeah. try again. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Throw a rock on the other side of the way. You wave. know, it's like they say the more crime is solved by racking a shotgun than ever by actually shooting anybody. Because that sound alone is terrifying. And oh, will stop yeah. crimes in process. <laughs> I got the wrong house. <laughs> Whoopsies. <laughs> oh, this isn't my cousin's house. All right. I'm going to just close this door. You, you ever walked to somebody's crib before? Never. No accident? Never. Never. Yes, I have. An apartment. That's dangerous. And it was my apartment building with Max. I, it was when we just moved in. I went up the wrong side. I thought, and I thought, because it's like matching uh-huh. on both mm-hmm. sides. I walked right in, looked around, saw the people, and went, "I am so sorry. This isn't my apartment." Close the door. It do look it. suspicious, dog. It do. It do. Did they? Did they lock it? Did you hit a door lock after that? Like they were like laughing. Oh, okay, like, that's what I was sorry. like. I'm sorry. Well, obviously they had to see you in the building oh, yeah. too. Oh, yeah, they they saw me moving in and all Yeah, that like, it's a mistake. Because at first, I was looking around like, what are you all doing <laughs> in my place? Surprise! <laughs> I don't even know you motherfuckers. <laughs> mm, that's funny, man. My bad. I definitely walked to somebody's crib. It was an Asian lady. Yeah? Yeah. I was like, I'm so sorry. I, and it did look crazy, too. Was it a house? Yes. Were you gooped? Possibly, but not impossible to do that. Somebody was... Uh, it's the first time I went over somebody's crib, bro. Then I I feel like his Got directions you. was a little funky. Yeah, and then another time I walked to somebody's crib too, no accident. I'm like, damn. They was it around here? Couch. It wasn't the other one was in Oakdale, and the other one, the other first one with the Asian lady was in the hood. Mm. So Chi Town. I, I could have got my head blown mm-hmm. off. I mean, you could in Oakdale too. So, either Angelo or Kenny had called Beulah afterwards and told her to keep her trappy-apt or else. <laughs> and like I said, she picked both of them out of the line. Right. When Bianchi's lawyer made it clear that Dr. Watkins' testimony would be the basis for their insanity plea, the judge said, Okay, hold your role. The court would like to bring in their own medical expert for a second opinion. Hmm. Dr. Ralph B. Allison was brought in to examine Kenny. Like Watkins... Dr. Allison was also an expert in multiple personalities. Dr. Allison was even more smitten with Kenny's performance than Watkins had been (laughs) and was legitimately frightened by the Steve Walker alter ego. (laughs) Speaking of that name, Stephen Walker, it kept ringing a strange bell in Salerno's head. Mm -hmm. He dug back through the now massively extensive file on Bianchi and found it. Thomas Stephen Walker was the name on a letter Bianchi had forged for an application for a diploma from California State University, which he then used to offer fake psychological counseling. Yeah, so you knew what you were doing now. That's We got right. evidence. Now we know. You've even used this name in the past yeah. for Fugazi reasons. Yeah, it's over with, pal. You're an idiot. You're such a stupid fucking dummy. <laughs> I wonder how long they let him go before they... Drop the hammer yeah. on his ass. Because that's the kind of stuff you know that, like, even in personal fights, when you have something in the back of your head that mm-hmm. you can, you know that you can just kill them with. Yeah. Oh, I took the nuclear option, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. 
Get his ass out of here, Judge. <laughs> Get the hook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get the Apollo hook. <laughs> The prosecution had no plans to let this insanity defense play. They called in Dr. Martin T. Orn, a leading authority on hypnosis, to determine if Kenny was faking his hypnotic states with Dr. Watkins and Allison. Kenny's responses to three out of the four tests proved he was a faker. Not to mention, I don't believe in hypnosis anyway. I don't know if it's even real at all. I don't want to fuck with it. There's somebody that says, that offers like $500,000 if you can prove that hypnosis is real. I don't think he's ever paid out on that. I'm so like I how know. heredity was, man. Just don't fuck with it. Hereditary. Oh, that's, that's what's called. Hereditary. That's Isn't heredity. it? Now you fucked me up. <laughs> hereditary. Heredity. Yeah, hereditary because it's. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's on me. I've been calling it heredity. I've been, tell, that's all right. I've been telling all these. Well, you need to watch heredity, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been fucking up. So hereditary, y'all, for you motherfuckers. <laughs> I think the heredity are a type of Jew. So you might Ooh. be telling them to look at Orthodox Jewish people. Ooh. Well, I'm all for the Jews, man. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Live and let live. That's what yeah, I say. Yeah, but def- that movie, that was one of those movies. Like, look, if you don't know what you're doing, just don't fuck with it. Yeah. And that's how I think of hypnosis, bro. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I don't want to know. Well, the grandma knew exactly what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Just her family didn't. <laughs> yeah, and they needed to not fuck with mm. it. And they did. And they, yep, and they did. Dr. Orn also laid another little trap for Kenny. He called the multiple personality diagnosis into question, telling Kenny it was very rare for those diagnosed to only have one personality. The minimum is typically three, with many more being the average. This was mostly horseshit, but Dr. Orn wanted to see if Kenny would suddenly manifest another personality. Lo and behold, Kenny didn't disappoint. Soon, another guy showed up, And this personality's name was Billy. And then two more showed up to satisfy Dr. Orn's demands. Mm -hmm. When the defense presented the findings of Drs. Watkins and Allison to support the insanity defense, the prosecution tossed out their own Pokemon, Drs. Orn and Fowerstein, both of whom stated that Kenny was mentally fit and ready to yeah, stand yeah. trial. Yeah, you motherfucker about to do all this time. Yes, sir. <laughs> about to do all this shit, boy. Mm. They gonna try to get you on a lot of shit, too. The L.A. County District Attorney offered Kenny a strict plea deal mm. that was actually life or death. He could plead guilty to both Washington murders, along with some of the hillside stranglings, in exchange for life in prison with possibility of parole, all to be served in California, where the prisons were said to be much more humane than in Washington. Hmm. In return, Kenny would fully cooperate and truthfully testify against his cousin, Angelo Buono. If Kenny decided to ignore the deal and go to trial in Washington, their district attorney was not prepared to settle for anything less than the death penalty. Kenny decided to take the deal. Yeah. So now the L.A. detectives finally got a chance to talk to him. A lot of investigators were present for these interviews, Mm -hmm. including a man that will be important to this case, Mm. Assistant District Attorney Roger Kelly. Everyone wanted to make sure the interrogations were done correctly in order to get the most damaging information on Angelo. In California, a person couldn't be convicted just off the testimony of their accomplice. But if other damning evidence was found that confirmed said testimony, 
it could be used to convict. Hmm. So if me and you go out and commit a crime, I kill a bunch of people, mm -hmm. your testimony alone would not be enough to convict me. But if your testimony led to evidence that only the killers mm -hmm. and the police sure. would know about, yeah. that could be used in court to convict me. But otherwise, it would look like you're just trying to save your yeah. ass yep. to get me in prison. Mm -hmm. Like you said, there got to be other evidence to lead to that. You got to find the evidence. You got to back that story up or else that story means absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. Kenny started with how he and Angelo pretended to be policemen, including using fake but very realistic badges. With their victims that were prostitutes, that was usually enough alone to get them in the Cadillac. Mm -hmm. For the quote-unquote nice girls, it was a bit more of a task to get them in the car. Hell yeah, because what the fuck I'm finna get in your car for? I ain't do nothing. Yeah, what, <laughs> I know my rights, you idiot. Yeah, I wonder where they get these badges from. I don't know. Because you said they look good. Like, you wouldn't be able to just go to Party City and get yeah, one of these it's things. like they're cahoots with the police. Or some kind of metal forger, maybe, but I don't know. Hmm, metal forger. I was watching this show. You hideous. Just, I'm going to do it so you just get out of my face. <laughs> I'm just going to do it so you can just get out of my face. Here, go two home. badges. Yeah. Get away from yeah. me, you fucking yeah. freak. Yes, bro. Exactly. <laughs> he got everything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Salerno asked Kenny what kind of material was used to blindfold Judy Miller. Mm. He answered a piece of foam from Angelo's upholstery shop. That would probably explain the piece of green fluff found on Julie's eyelid that was up until now worthless. Yeah. This was the kind of corroborating evidence needed mm -hmm. to get a conviction. Mm -hmm. Salerno was also able to coax out why the hillsides were used as dumping grounds. According to Kenny, Angelo had dated a girl that lived up there and he knew it would be perfect for their purposes. He spent hours and hours just driving around the back roads up there, mm -hmm. thinking about where he would dump bodies. Damn. Now that Kenny was talking to police, he would not shut up. He went through every one of their murders with the investigators as if they were all side by side at a bar together. Bianchi simply didn't think of his victims as human, so he showed no remorse in his recounting. Mm. He answered the long-asked question of how Christina Weckler had been killed. They couldn't tell if it was ligature strangulation, manual, weapon. They just didn't know a cause of death. Turns out it was by gas asphyxiation. She was brought to the kitchen, placed on the floor, had a bag shoved over her head. The gas pipe from the newly installed stove was disconnected mm. and put into the bag and turned on. The marks around her neck were because they loosely tied a cord around the bag and the hose to make a more perfect seal. It took about an hour and a half of suffering for her to finally die. Damn. Dude, I would have died instantly, bro. I would have wanted to. I hasn't. It's not that easy. It was a gas leak. I was driving down the street. It was a gas leak in this area. Dude, I I'm, I almost crashed the car, bro. You almost passed out that Bro, bad? I'm... Because what it was just getting to, I was gagging and shit. Yeah. Like, and my eyes are tearing up. Like, bro, I had to go. I, I got to drive fast. <laughs> I mean, I just didn't know what else to do. You were actually suffering from yeah, gas poisoning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was just too much of it in there. And I looked around the other cars, they weren't suffering like I was suffering. I'm like, why is this hitting me? I mean, I guess it's just people certain. The wash bay at old, old Walzer, mm -hmm. that used to give the mechanics carbon monoxide headaches. I didn't know that. And it, me and T.O. were just in there and just dying, basically. Breathing in all of it. Because it was that. kerosene heated and there was no ventilation so we were just like burning kerosene and yeah up in there boy they don't give a fuck down there walls man. hell no 
Still don't, probably. No, they don't. When I ain't the one. That... I didn't say it. Yeah. You did. <laughs> you, you did. <laughs> the implication is there. At around this point, Bianchi realized the amount of trouble he was in. He was about to go to prison, and he was going to be labeled a rat. That wasn't going to help his chances of living long enough to make parole, mm-hmm. especially considering he made a deal against his own flesh-and-blood cousin that could secure Angelo the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Kenny became highly uncooperative. The cops hated him and made no effort to hide their true feelings. Since he welched on his deal, he was tried in Washington, where he was given two life sentences. Damn. Kenny was then immediately extradited back to California, where he was looking at 35 years. Mm-hmm. On October 22, 1979, Detective Grogan had the pleasure of putting the bracelets on Angelo personally in California. This was shortly after Kenny spilled his guts. When they examined Angelo's wallet, they could clearly see the outline of the fake police badge they'd used <laughs> embedded in the leather. Idiot. Now, with Bianchi tried, sentenced, and imprisoned, there was no more reason for him to cooperate in his cousin's trial. There was nothing else they could do to him if he didn't. Shooting his credibility as a witness even more in the foot, Kenny began publicly and loudly walking back his testimony against his cousin. Now Kenny was saying there was a third man involved that was the actual killer. (laughs) Bizarrely, a woman playwright enters the scene here. Her name was Veronica Compton, and she was writing a play called The Mutilated Cutter. Uh about a woman serial killer, and she wanted to talk to him to better understand the mind of a freak. She fell head over heels for Bianchi. Of course. Kenny saw this relationship as his golden ticket out of prison. He pitched her a crazy idea that, if successful, would grant him the freedom to spend the rest of their lives together. All she had to do was go up to Bellingham, strangle another girl, and make it look like the guy who killed Karen Maddich and (laughs) Diane Wilder was still out there and active. Maybe if she spread a little semen around the scene, it would look good too. Veronica, with her new love in her sights, was only too willing to help. Kenny is known as a non-secretor, which means that before DNA testing, blood type couldn't be determined from just his semen. Mm -hmm. Kenny was able to ship his new girlfriend Veronica off to Washington, with a smuggled plastic glove full of cum. Mm. Now that things were in motion, this was looking a lot more tough for Veronica than just talking about it. When she Mm. got to Bellingham, she found courage in a lot of cocaine and a lot of booze. (sighs) Oh my god. Now that she was right in the head, she convinced a woman to drive her back to her hotel, then convinced her to come up for a drink. Veronica lunged at her with a cord and began to strangle the woman, who turned out to be much stronger, and threw Veronica (laughs) off before sprinting from the hotel room. Yeah, the jig is up. I gotta go. (laughs) With a brief lapse into clarity, Veronica realized it was time to get the fuck back to California and to go ahead and chalk this plan up as a W for worth a try. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) That's an L. Nope, that's L. You lost. You set out to do something to you failed. Worth a shot. That's but at least do locked up, though. You can't get slapped. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just yeah. going to be disappointed. Yeah, He'll be, like, just be this, sad. Well, this relationship is over. <laughs> That's funny you say that. When Veronica landed in San Francisco, she caused a disturbance of some kind that involved her screaming and photos being taken. So much for remaining low profile. To make matters irreparably worse, Veronica sent both a tape and letter to Bellingham Police 
saying they'd arrested an innocent man and pointing to her own recent strangling attempt as proof the killer was on the loose. It didn't take the most top-tier detectives to link the police report of the woman Veronica tried to strangle with the photo of the lady who'd wigged out and screamed at the San Francisco airport that very same afternoon. Mm. Now both Kenny and Veronica were in jail. With his golden ticket now completely worthless, Kenny's love for Veronica cooled overnight, and soon she got the message that the relationship was over. Yeah, dude, he was just using you to get out of fucking jail. You brought one, how long did she get? She probably couldn't get long. She got a long attempted murder? Oh, okay, yeah, that's a long time. Let's travel on over to the ugly mugged Bono. <sighs> Investigators in L.A. had developed all the corroborating evidence they felt they needed to back up Bianchi's testimony Mm -hmm. against Angelo as an accomplice. The fluff found on Judy's eyelid was positively matched to those materials Mm -hmm. from Buono's combination home-slash-upholstery shop. Animal hairs stuck to victim Lauren Wagner's hands matched the rabbits Angelo raised. And, of course, the imprint on his wallet matched the fake police badge, and puncture marks in the wallet itself were concurrent with the pin on the badge. Hmm. Not to mention, Beulah Stouffer and Marcus had both picked him out of a lineup. To Prosecutor Roger Kelly, the ADA we were talking about earlier, right? none of this was important. Kelly was notorious for dragging his feet on cases where there was even a slight possibility he'd lose. Kenny Bianchi's rapidly deteriorating credibility was really sticking in Prosecutor Kelly's craw. Mm. The case against Buono was assigned to Superior Court Judge Ronald George. Angelo's court-appointed lawyers were Catherine Mater and Gerald Chaleff. The first crucial decision made was whether or not to sever the murder counts from the non-murder counts, like sodomy, pimping, rape. Right. If the counts were severed, the unspeakably horrible things Angelo did to these women that wasn't murder specifically mm-hmm. wouldn't be allowed to be talked about in trial. Yeah. For some reason, Judge George decided to sever the counts from the non-murder counts. Mm -hmm. He fully expected the prosecution to be able to be crafty enough to work Angelo's heinous treatment of women into their case through some other way, like uh, character witnesses or something. Yeah, they could have. Certainly. Anybody that's worth their salt could probably do what this judge wanted. The judge did it right. I think so, yeah. Mm. He's basically, what he was trying to do is future-proof it for the Supreme Mm -hmm. Court appeals. To say, could this have... If these were severed, could the case have turned out differently for Buono? You know, that kind of stuff. So he's basically trying to get as locked tight as he can. On July 6th, 1981, Kenny gave an Oscar-worthy performance to the court. He said he may have faked his multiple personality disorder. And that's not all. Now he didn't know if he was telling the truth when he said Angelo was involved in the murders. Mm. In fact, now that we're mentioning it, he didn't even think he was involved with the murders (laughs) anymore. (laughs) (laughs) After this kerfuffle, gun-shy ADA Kelly moved to dismiss all ten murder charges against Angelo and drop any prosecution against him as one of the hillside stranglers. From his doom-and-gloom perspective, this case was unwinnable. Normally, a judge will go along with a prosecutor's wishes about dismissal, but Judge George asked for a couple days to think it over. Mm. On July 21st, Judge George gave his ruling. Mm -hmm. We believe there is sufficient evidence to show presumption of guilt against Buono. I believe the evidence the people put on display, even after Bianchi's testimony, could convict Buono. Then the judge listed in detail in front of everyone elements of the evidence that Kelly had failed to note before trying to have the case dismissed. 
particularly critical, were the Lauren Wagner fibers, which came from the exact roll of fabric that Bianchi's testimony had mentioned. The judge concluded with a real verbal dick slap. <laughs> Dismissal would not be in the furtherance of justice, nor is it the function of the court to automatically dismiss and abandon the people's cases. Mm -hmm. Standards indicate that a prosecutor must pursue the prosecution of serious charges where there is sufficient evidence for a jury to convict, mm -hmm. without concern for the prosecutor's reputation should he not be successful in obtaining conviction. Yeah, Badass. Fuck yeah. you, Kelly. Yeah, plus they do they had that do regardless. It's just a matter of time, that's all it is. Further, the judge expected the DA's office to get its head out of its ass and effectively mm -hmm. prosecute Angelo Bono, or else a special prosecutor would be appointed. Once this hit the national news, the DA office stuck out their lip and withdrew from the case. The state's attorney general brought in two prosecutors to examine the evidence and a special investigator to run down leads. <laughs> It took no time at all for this new team to determine that the evidence would be more than enough to get mm -hmm. the conviction. The Attorney General was very impressed with their findings, and he himself decided to oversee the prosecution of the case. I know, they like, dude, y'all got a slam dunk right here, what's wrong? Oh, it, would be, it would be too hard. And he didn't even know what the evidence was he was looking at. He missed obvious connections. It's a slam dunk, dog, like... Fuck you, Kelly. Yeah. He was probably busy trying to... In November, the case went to trial, but with all the regular pretrial continuances, the motions by the defense, which were appealed all the way to the Supreme Court, not to mention the agonizing three-and-a-half-month jury selection process, the trial would actually begin in the spring of 82. A seemingly never-ending line of witnesses, including Becky Spears and Sabra Hanan, the girls he had brutalized and forced into sex work, mm -hmm. were called before the court to tell tales of Angelo's sadism. When it was time for Cousin Kenny to testify, he wasn't in any mood to cooperate. That is until Judge George reminded Kenny of his plea bargain agreement, which said if he didn't start cooperating, he'd be turned over to the state of Washington to serve his sentence in the brutal and uncompromising yeah. Walla Walla prison. The only thing to him was you could sit in California prison. Yep. With your testimony. Yep. You can sit in the brutal California prison in order to avoid the... Barely humane Washington prisons. Mm -hmm. And it's warm in California, too. Kenny changed his tune. <laughs> Real quick. Judge George and the jury were transported to the hillsides where the victims were found. These tours were elaborately planned and featured a presentation by the lead detective at each scene. Mm -hmm. It was pointed out to the jurors that Angelo's mom's house and the house he shared with his wife were both within pretty close proximity to these remote locations. After over a thousand evidence exhibits and testimony from 250 witnesses, they were almost ready to drop the hammer. Outside of the Hollywood Library on Ivar Street was a payphone. The night high-class call girl Kimberly Martin was murdered, she was requested from her modeling agency, Climax, from that very payphone. Right before Angelo made that call, he absolutely terrified some poor woman on the street with verbal threats. She remembered him, came forward to testify, obviously tying him to that payphone at that time. Mm. I mean, that is your slam dunk right there. Yeah, yeah. The prosecution was finally wrapped, and it was time for the defense to try and stem the bleeding, and Angelo was not making it easier for his attorneys. Compared to the unending stream of witnesses and evidence the prosecution had, the defense had damn near nothing. They tried impugning the testimony of Marcus Camden on the basis of mental instability, 
but they were not successful. Okay. The defense then tried a ridiculous ploy to say the fluid found on Lauren Wagner's breast was semen left by a third person that wasn't the cousins. That argument fell completely apart when a doctor came up and said the fluid was actually regurgitation from the ants that were feasting on Lauren Wagner's flesh. Right. So it wasn't semen at all. It was Mm -hmm. ant vomit. Right. Inexplicably, the defense put crazy Veronica Compton on the stand. Since being ghosted by Kenny for failing to strangle a girl to free him, she'd been dating serial killer Douglas Clark by mail. She started rambling on the stand about a conspiracy between herself and Kenny to frame Angelo. She also admitted not long afterwards the reason that she was so willing to testify is because she was very mad at Kenny for leaving her. So (laughs) this was all worthless. This is all made out of emotion. Yeah, of course. She was responding to every question as if she were a guest on The Late Show. <laughs> it was very strange. It was determined that that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what show she was on. <laughs> Mari. When the prosecutor asked her about her and her new boo Douglas's mm-hmm. plans to open a mortuary so they could both have sex with dead mm-hmm. people, he expected her to deny it. But she started rambling about how it was actually a savvy business move. Prosecutor Roger Boren gave the closing arguments, which took him 11 full days. He addressed every issue the defense had raised, plus hundreds more they hadn't even thought to think of. The jury was sequestered for their deliberation. This had been the longest criminal trial in U.S. history to that date, clocking in at almost two years. The jury had been a relatively harmonious group during this time, But now that it was deliberation, it wasn't clear whether or not they could come to a unanimous decision. Mm -hmm. They would have to decide his guilt or innocence on 10 counts of murder. Deliberation began October 21st. After 10 agonizing days on Halloween, they came to a decision on one of the counts. For the murder of Lauren Wagner, Angelo was found guilty. Four days later, November 3rd, they found Angelo not guilty of the murder of their first victim, Yolanda Washington. Of course, they got away with the black girl. A few days later, he was found guilty of Judy Miller's murder. Now, the jury got to decide whether to give him the death penalty or spare him as he was a multiple murderer. Within the next few days, guilty verdicts came in for Dolores Cepeda, Sonia Johnson, Kimberly Martin, Christina Weckler, Lisa Keston, Jane King, and lastly, Cindy Hudspeth. Mm. Angelo took the stand for almost no time, saying, My morals and constitutional rights has been broken. The jury decided to spare Angelo the death penalty. Judge George was furious, saying, Angelo Buono and Kenneth Bianchi subjected various of their murder victims to the administration of lethal gas, electrocution, strangulation by rope, and lethal hypodermic injection. Mm. Yet, the two defendants are destined to spend their lives in prison, housed, fed, and clothed at the taxpayer's expense, better cared for than some of the destitute law-abiding members of our society. Angelo was sent to Folsom, where he stayed in his cell every opportunity he could. He was terrified of what the other inmates wanted to do to him, and he was sure the California prison guards would not protect him. He died of a heart attack at Calipicia State Prison in 2002. He was glad. Kenneth Bianchi, in 1992, sued a trading card company for $8.5 million over using his face on a serial killer trading card set. This was thrown directly out. The judge said if you would have used your face for good, then maybe you wouldn't be in prison. That's what he said. 
Yeah. He was like, yeah. your face rights mean yeah. absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> you ain't got no rights, dog. None. You're a prisoner. You're a mm. ward of the state. Mm. Kenneth is serving his sentence right now where he never wanted to be. Walla Walla Washington. You know, they like it was defamation. No, fuck no. <laughs> like, no, you're a serial killer. I threw you. You were found crazy. guilty yeah. of this. Yeah, bro. I'm helping you out. Kenny was denied parole in 2010, mm. but is eligible to apply again in 2025. He will be 76 years old. Yeah, I fucking hope not. Fuck you, Kenny Bianchi. <laughs> they ain't let nobody Fuck you, out. Angelo Bono. I hate you both. Those are the I, Hillside Stranglers. I hate Stranglers. you both. I hate you both. <laughs> what did you think? Man, these fucking Hillside Stranglers, man. They're fucking stupid. It's not the Hillshire Farm Stranglers. I didn't say Hillshire. <laughs> <laughs> the Hillshire. <laughs> no, but these motherfuckers stupid, crazy, everything in the book. Then you write, I wonder why they didn't prosecute the black girl, Yolanda Washington. Well, they did, but they didn't find her I guilt. Mean, they didn't find him guilty. So she just died from... Natural causes. Worst strangulation, worst case of heart attack I've ever seen. No, it's awful. It's yeah, really awful. It's, yeah, you know how it is, though. Yeah, especially that. And that er, I mean, it's still now, but then... Ugh. It's not good. Yeah, but you think uh, Bianchi and Buono, you thought it was a good series? Yeah, of course. These motherfuckers got bagged and tagged. Bagged, tagged, and shagged. Heart attack. Heart attack. Of, dude, the other one was something going to happen to the other Probably one. had a heart yeah. attack because of all the fear he was living mm-hmm. in. Because he thought someone was going to break a broomstick up his asshole. That's exactly what was going to happen. He deserved it. He the deserved dude, it as his The other dude probably died before 2025. You think he won't make yeah, it three more it years? years. I hope no. not. And if they do, I hope they're not going to let him out. Bro. I hope he's laughed right out of the parole meeting. I they're hope not. They say. <laughs> yeah, they will not let him out. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to another episode mm-hmm. of the Bumblebutt Podcast. My name is Ben Adam. A-Bomb. That's Ben Herschel. H-Bomb. And we will see you next week. Yes, sir. For another brand new episode. We'll see you then. Bye. Yes, sir.